the honest answer to that is um, when I was young, uh, probably 12 or 13, um, my dad had me coming in working on a project and it was it was frosting light bulbs. And okay. so that was you know one of these random applications. And um, I made some comment about, I know people here. And I took abuse for that for probably five years. And it <laughs> stuck with me. And it was my, it was my, it was, you know, my dad had a great teaching moment out of that. Um, but I, I think from that, I really learned that, um, you know, I, you got to watch what you say. You got to be, you got to work hard. You got to, you know. Welcome to My Company Story. It's a show by business owners about business owners. I'm your host, Don Birch. In each episode, we'll explore the challenges business owners face and how they've overcome them. I'm here with Colin Waitman, president of Comco, a manufacturer of micro sandblasters. They're based in Burbank, California. Welcome, Colin, to My Company Story. Thank you. It's good to be here, Don. Colin, I'd like to ask you a little bit about what the heck are micro sandblasters and what does Comco do? So micro sandblasters or microblasters are miniature precision sandblasters. It's the same technology at its core as a sandblaster that would clean paint off the side of a bridge or building on a very small scale. Oh. Uh, the the knot hand piece that we use is about the size of a pencil and the opening of the nozzle, we're on the size of a pencil lead. So okay. we're talking very small, very precision application. So it's a, it's a, it's a micro sandblaster. It is. It's what it is. Uh, the, and the other difference from sandblasting is the abrasive we use has more in common with moon dust than typical sand uh, in a sandblaster. So very fine particles. So what, what are these used for? Who uses a micro sandblaster and for what purpose? Uh, the original application for microblasting was... Hybrid microelectronics. So think what of is old, that? Uh, the some of the original circuitry where you had resistors on a ceramic substrate. When you apply the resist, typically through a silk screening process, you need to equalize the value. Oh. So you take off some of the resist ink with an abrasive that has the same composition as the ceramic substrate uh, to get the value you're looking for. So that so was our start. Um, and it has grown a lot since then in variety of applications. So when did it start and who started the company? Um, the company was started by my grandfather back in 1965. And did he develop this uh, application? Uh, at the time, so my grandfather was a serial entrepreneur. He had everything from uh, land uh, for a uranium mine out in the desert to... Uh, coin-op laundry in Hollywood. Wow. I didn't and know that. And one of the things he decided he wanted to do was, uh, he at the time, he was a manufacturer's rep for an electronics company, and every time he was successful, he lost a line. <laughs> and he decided at some point he needed to own his own business. Oh. Started tinkering in his garage and came up with a the Comco Microblaster based on uh, some other products that he had worked with. Wow, fascinating. And then I know your dad got involved in business. He did. And, and then how did that, when did your dad join and how long was he in before you got involved? Uh, my, so the company was founded in 1965. The first machines were shipped in 68. Uh, my dad joined the company in 1971 mm. um, when he returned from Vietnam. Gotcha. So he and my grandfather worked together for about 10 years before my grandfather retired. I see. And then he ran the company until uh, the mid-2000s uh, when he retired and I took over. So did tell me about the overlap when you worked with your dad. Your dad was there. You came in. Were you working there as a kid, like in high school, summer jobs, that type of thing? Uh, or No. Uh, well, 
I started out uh, as a kid uh, making boxes, building machines, working on odds and end jobs around the company. I never really wanted anything to do with it. It, I, was, it was dad's thing, and I stayed far away. I can relate. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and he actually, he being the, the salesman he is... Um, he kind of conned me into coming to work for he him. He conned you into it. And he said, oh, you got this project I need you to help me out with. And it started as a little project and it turned into a bigger project. And he knew that if he got me spending time in there, I'd get hooked. And you got and hooked. I got hooked. Okay. Uh, he, he got me all the way. I found out that I loved building stuff. I loved working with engineers. I loved solving problems. Uh, and I loved the difference that we could make. Seeing how you know a little company in Burbank could work with manufacturers all over the world to help them make their products better. So, Colin, tell us a little bit more about what you think your dad did so well to get you hooked. Here you were a kid, like I was, who wanted nothing to do with the family business, and yet your dad, what was he, what did he do that got you so excited about it in those early years? Uh, He gave me a lot of freedom. Mm. Uh, I started out, so I was a, uh, uh, had a background in biology, and he wanted me to do lab work for him. He's like, oh, you're good at lab work. You, you know, you've done, been doing lab work for years now. Come and do some lab work for us. Figure out the fundamentals of our machine and some of our customers' applications and see what we can do to really know our process better. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a strong believer in the idea that we had to understand our process extremely well in order to be able to apply it to all of our customer applications. So he he gave you autonomy. He left you he alone. He let you play around there. And yet, how were you perceived by the other employees? Were you like the kid with the silver spoon, uh, you know, coming in? Or how was how did that dynamic well, I work? Think, I think there's always some of that. You yeah. can't get away from that being yeah. a family business. Uh, but I had a great manager in the engineering department. And he, I worked for him. Uh, I didn't really see my dad very much at all, even though it's the same small building. Um, but he had a long list of projects for me, and he said, "Okay, here we're going to start. We're going to learn about nozzles, and we're going to learn about how the abrasive mixes together, and how we can do that better. Mm-hmm. And we can work on some of these specific applications." And you know, I met with him, and I had a list of things that that we wanted to work on, and and I kept you know just kind of plugging away at those. That's great. That's great. Was there ever a time that you ever felt that, well, I'm going to be running this company and so you have to do what I'm saying uh, to do to the to your fellow employees when you were young like that? Or did you always feel like you had to earn the respect or even work harder than the, your peers next to you? I, I think the, the honest answer to that is um, when I was young, uh, probably 12 or 13, um, my dad had me coming in working on a project and it was it was frosting light bulbs. And okay. so that was, you know, one of these random applications. And um, I made some comment about, I know people here. And I took abuse for that for probably five years. And it <laughs> stuck with me. And it was my, it was my, it was, you know, my dad had a great teaching moment out of that. Um, but I, I think from that, I really learned that, um, you know, I, you got to watch what you say. You got to be, you got to work hard. You got to, you know. Get in there and, and set an example for what you want other people to do. Right. You have to set um, the example and prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there were always people in the company who would, you know, question 
the reason for me being there. Right, right. You know, is, is this guy really adding something or is he just writing the coattails of a family business? Is he the right guy for the job or is he there because his last name is on the door? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about the transition when your dad stepped back and let you take the reins. Was that sudden? Was it a smooth, a, a long transition? How did that work between you uh, moving into the uh, presidency? Uh, it was it was bumpy along the way. Hmm. Tell um, us about that. Uh, so... I moved from the engineering department into the applications department, developing applications for customers um, when they would try to use our process, uh, and then ultimately into sales. And as I moved into sales, an area where my my dad was very involved, um, that got harder. Um, Why? I think the way he explains it is he was used to the way we had always done things in the past and was kind of holding on to some of that. And I was looking more towards the future and, and what I thought we could do and what I was comfortable with. You were challenging the uh, the status quo. Uh, I'm not sure I'd go that far with it. How far would you go? I, I, I think that we were just doing things differently. Okay. Um, and, it, and I'm not sure it was necessarily neither of us saw that it was... Uh, right or wrong it was it was different and that was causing a lot of friction and um and we got to a point where my dad said you know i've done this for a long time i've proven myself i'm i've, I've been successful at it um we need to come up with a plan that you are going to make it successful on your own and and make the company the way you want to make it. oh he did okay he did so he kind of he stepped back and said okay you know prove yourself yeah. So he stepped back, meaning did he cut back and didn't come into work as much or just didn't get involved? Or so an employee came to him and asked a decision. He said, go ask Colin. Or How did that look? Um, so the transition was he said, OK, I don't want to be president anymore. I will help you out where you want. Um, and then I think I'm going to retire. And so he retired for about three months. Uh, and during that process, we were working on a on a pr- fairly significant project. We had, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity for us. This was 2007, coming into you know kind of the worst economic right you know recession of my lifetime. Um, and we had this big project we were working on, and he retired, and then all of a sudden it worked, and so. The company that we were working with said, oh, well, you know, how 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 fast can you deliver equipment? Mm-hmm. How fast can you deliver abrasive? Mm. And being absolutely green in this whole presidential role, I was way in over my head. Mm. Um, and so I asked him to come back in and help run production. And okay. so he stepped in and said, OK, uh, you know, we we were running at that point 24 hours a day, three shifts. And he said, all right, I'll, you know, we'll split it up. I'll take, you know, part of the day and you take part of the day, but I'm an, I want to stay on the production side mm-hmm. and keep things running smoothly there. Mm. And so he was there. He was always a resource for me, but he always would let me make the decision that needed to be made so, and, and, and support me with that. And how did your uh, employees, your dad's and yours employees, uh, look at your relationship with your dad during that time? Did that... Did you sense a, uh, uh, they thought, gosh, this is, this is going great. This is not going so great. I mean, what were their, what were their perceptions? I, I don't know. I can only imagine. Okay. Um, and I think that there was a fair amount of uncertainty in there mm-hmm. that, you know, we would, we would clash. And, but I think that uh, on the other side of it, we always found a way to come back and to find common ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we were both really focused on making sure that at some point we found, you know, we, 
we found the common ground that was important to get to to make the company successful. Now, Colin, I know that you have very long-term employees, very, very satisfied employees who are working for you. And that's not uncommon in a family business uh, that's been run very, very well by a good ethical family like yours is. Can you tell us a little bit about why you think the uh, you have such loyal employees for that stay with you for such a long time? So we have, so we have we have two employees that stand out to me um, as far as for longevity. Uh, we have one employee that uh, was working there before I was born. Um, she was hired by my grandfather. Uh, walking down the street in front of the building, he was looking for someone who could do assembly work for him. He saw her and he was like, "Hey." do you need a job? We'd like to hire you. <laughs> That's great. And uh, so for, she's worked at the company for 49 years, 48 wow. years. Um, and we have another employee. He was a, uh, he's our double E. So electrical engineer mm-hmm. was a tank driver in world war two. And he is, um, a CrossFit fanatic at 96. Wow. Uh, the guy's, the guy's incredible. He's 96. Uh, 96, uh, comes in a couple of times a week to help out. He, uh, is the, the most amazing person in the company as far as what he comes up with. I mean, he is so sharp and, you know, is, is an inspiration to all of us. Um, I think, and I think that that longevity builds on itself. I think there are things that we can do from a management point of view to encourage that, but it is the employee's uh, relationship with each other and how they feel about the, about the company that makes a difference. And to that end, they all feel like we, I try to make sure that they feel like owners and shareholders and participants of the company Mm -hmm. treat it like your own Mm -hmm. um has kind of always been our motto and if we share in we're going to share in the good times and we're going to share in the bad times Mm -hmm. um you know in the good times a significant portion of the profitability of comco goes back to the employees they see the difference that they make Mm -hmm. Um, and so they are they're working for themselves and they're working for each other so it's not just lip service. You're actually, uh, you're actually when in good times you're letting them share in the profits. In bad times, you let them know that there mm-hmm. are no profits. You don't share. We do. It, if we need to cut back hours, you know, we do that. If we need to have layoffs, you know, we do that. It's only happened a few times mm-hmm. in the the existence of Comco, but you know, I I think that it is because we are honest with the employees as to where we are mm-hmm. that it's less of a surprise and it's less shock and. Uh, the reality of it is they know everything mm-hmm. before I do. They do. I mean, they they know who is not going to be working in the company, who's not pulling their weight. They know when we're going to have a good year. They, I mean, they just, they are very in tune <laughs> with the, the success of the company. Good point. Yeah, they're very, very smart. Mm-hmm. Very smart. Colin, can you tell our audience uh, who are other business owners, some of the other challenges that you felt you have uh, witnessed in your career and how you've overcome them? I think one of the biggest challenges that we face is we're very much of an unknown process. Mm. Everybody knows lasers. Everybody knows end mills and lathes and machining centers and all of these different ways that you can make parts. Uh, nobody knows microblasting and nobody knows what it does. And we are involved in so many small industries that it's we we can't create a one size fits all marketing campaign. 
And so our, our biggest challenge is getting all of these people from uh, different industries, everything from aerospace to medical to semiconductor, uh, dental labs, even fossils. All the paleontologists use our equipment. So it's this broad range of industries, uh, but small pieces of them. Right. You were telling me a story about the you make the you deburr the needles that go into the in your arm when you're getting a shot. And you also help clean dinosaur bones when archaeologists are finding bones out there. I mean, two completely different areas of using your product. Exactly. Yeah. So this goes this goes back to the early 80s and the semiconductor crash. So um, over the course of about two months, we lost 30% of our business. Wow, in two months? I mean, it was, you know, the semiconductor industry being what it is, Things went down and they went from expediting orders to canceling them as fast as they could. So what did you do? So um, this was a conversation between my dad and my grandfather. And they said, okay, well, we're not doing well. We need to do something. What is it going to be? We can either uh, fold up shop and say, hey, we had a good run. It was 15 years. Yay. We lasted longer than most companies do. Uh, or we're going to need to find new applications, new industries that we can work in. And fortunately, they chose the latter. And it really was ingrained into the DNA of the company that we are constantly looking for, you know, what are problems out there that we can solve? Mm. Um, the the joke that my engineering manager has now is we're an engineering company that just happens to have the same solution to every problem that's brought to us. <laughs> and that solution yeah. is a micro sandblaster. Exactly. Right. Yeah, we can, we can solve this problem for you and, and we'll help you solve it. But you're going to need to buy one of these machines to make it work. Interesting. Um, so that philosophy or that DNA that's been ingrained in you, how does that show up in your marketing efforts and your sales efforts today? Um, we are... we focus strongly on processing customer parts. So we will work with them uh, to have them send in sample parts and we'll, we'll do all of the development work for them in our lab, run, run tests for them and send back the results along with the report and say, okay, you know, you sent us this, you told us this is what you were looking for. Does this, does this fit? So mm. we really work on proving the process on our customer specific parts. Everybody looks at it and they say, oh, yeah, I, I, read, I saw this white paper on the website or I saw this article that you have about what you can do. But our parts are different than that. It's something completely new and novel. And we need you to test it out on our parts, even if their parts are exactly the same as every other part we run. Um, they want to see it on their parts. Sure. And rather than trying to fight it, We've set, we've decided that the approach is, you know, you can't beat them, join them and run the parts. So you say to the engineer out there, I know this has never been done before and we'll, but just send it to us and give it to our engineers. We'll look at it. We'll figure out how to do it. We'll do it. We'll prove it to you. We show you, send it back to you, show you it was done. And if you like it, you can buy our machines and our supplies and move from there. Yes, exactly. And how do you, so you, you, you have a wide mailing list and you send case studies and samples of these things you've done out to a wide variety of engineers? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so our target, um, the way the way that we really focus on marketing is uh, we have three different steps uh, in selling equipment. The first is we know we have to sell the process. So we have to educate people on this is what the process is, this is what it does, this is how it works, um, really from a ground-up point of view. 
then once people buy into microblasting is real and it might work, we're going to sell them on on Comco on the company. This right. is, you know, if you were if you need, think this process will work, you need to work with us because right. we're the experts in this field. So you you work on selling the process as the best solution for that engineering challenge is mm-hmm. a micro sandblasting solution. Right. And oh by the way, we happen to make it. We em. happen to make it. And yeah. once and once you think that we're the right people to work with, then we'll sell them specifically the machine. Mm-hmm. So different from a lot of companies who start with the equipment and okay, if we're if we're an equipment manufacturer, everything we have is focused on the equipment. We look at it in completely the opposite direction. That the customer doesn't care as much how a problem gets solved as that at the end of the day, their problem gets solved. Fantastic. And as engineer, as the time that engineers have to work on projects shrinks. I mean, they get you know it used to be you had uh, a manufacturing engineer and a software engineer and an electrical engineer for in in some of these products that they were building. Now, one engineer is responsible for a much broader range of uh, product knowledge and, and, uh, and application work. Correct. So if we can take some of that work off of the engineer and help them with the surface finishing projects or um, getting you know, removing coatings or the aspect of it that we can, we've now saved them time during the day. And that makes them more productive. And they're then again, you know, more likely to use us in the future. Fantastic. That's wonderful, Colin. Colin, if any of the engineers out there are listening to this, or for that matter, any other business owners, and they wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Uh, best way to do that is uh, through email. Uh, my email address is colinw at comcoinc.com. C-O-M-C-O. I-N-C. I-N-C. Com. Great. All right. Colin, thank you very much. You've been a wonderful guest on the show. Thank you for having me. Wish you the best of luck. Thank we'll you. In touch. Thanks, Colin. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. Thank you for listening to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a comment and subscribe to hear more of My Company Story on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube and go to our website, mycompanystory.com, to find more episodes.